But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will, be, will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, C. Um, I realise you're probably just feeling like you've just, just arrived, but I want to fast forward to the moment you leave this evening, and just as Russ is about to go out the door. Uh, no. Um, you're going out the door, you wander down the path. No, no, it's fine. Uh, uh, you arrive at the, uh, you arrive at the uh, pavement, and just as that moment, your foot goes into something soft and squishy, and that horrible pong reaches your neck. Dog poo. What do you find yourself muttering under your breath? Dog owners. <laughs> okay, let's go a bit further forward into the week. Uh, let's it's Thursday morning. I don't know about you. In, in the vast household, for some reason, Thursday mornings are the worst. You just lose all sense of time and short fuses and all that rest of it. I think it's just the, the most tired point of the week. Um, you you already left the house late, uh, and you're driving along, and before you know it, temporary traffic lights again. You're already running late, and it's, you know, it's the temporary traffic lights that just seem to go as slow as humanly possible. What are you muttering under your breath? What are you saying to yourself? Are you kind of questioning, why are you digging up the road again? Hurry up! Hurry up! Let's go, let's go to next weekend, next Saturday, and let's, let's just imagine beautiful sunshine. It's a bright, sunny day. It's, it's not so cold. You've slept well. You've got a lovely, I don't know, mug of tea, mug of coffee in your hands. And you realize that for once, you have a whole day before you. And you can choose 
what you want to do. You do all those things you've been wanting to do for ages. What do you find yourself saying to yourself in that moment? Ah, this is going to be a good day. Why can't more days be like this? See, what you find yourself muttering about or saying to yourself in different situations, I think says a lot, not just about what's going on around you, but what's going on inside you. And as ever, Jesus, Jesus puts it the best, doesn't he? And maybe you know his words in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, when he says, For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. So when we find ourselves muttering away, saying things to ourselves in the different moments of our, our days and our weeks, it, it shows what we're about in that moment. It becomes our motto, if you like, for that moment. And I suspect we're all probably familiar with the different mottos and slogans that different companies have that, that try and give you a flavor of what they're all about and, and just to test us to see how well we're doing on our kind of big brands. But if I were to say Nike, what would their, anyone know what their slogan is, what their motto is? Everyone's going, oh, no, just, just do it. Just do it. Be active. Dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, BMW. Ooh. I knew somebody would know. The Volvo driver knows. Uh, <laughs> the ultimate driving machine. Um, what about Kit Kat? Take a break, have a break, have a Kit Kat. You know, have a Kit Kat's about having a break. That's what they're about. They want you to have a, a little moment. Uh, this is my favorite one. You'll probably all look at me strange and go, you're the only one who's ever remembered this one. But it had the catchiest tune and jingle with it. Washing machines, live long, go with. I mean, whoever invented that did really, really well. But you see, each of those slogans says something about what that company is all about. It turns out, though, that the word for motto, kind of slogan, actually has its origins in the, the Latin word to mutter. So in those moments when we're muttering to ourselves, we're revealing kind of the motto, what we're about. And this evening we land in possibly the most famous word of all of Philippians, there in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's kind of Paul's motto, I guess. And I just, don't you just wonder how many times, in how many situations, Paul would have muttered that to himself. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He'd not stepped in dog poo. Uh, I don't think he had a problem with temporary traffic lights, uh, and I don't know how his weekend was looking. But we've seen over the last two Sunday nights that, uh, that Paul, well, he's far away from this church in Philippi. That had been a church he'd been involved with planting. It was kind of great to have that uh, picture of the, the team from Living Hope on the screen. A reminder, it was another church plant. Uh, not in Thermiston, but here it's in Philippi. And he's got this deep affection for them. He's got this big ambition for them. Uh, he's in chains. He's waiting for a decision of whether he can go free or whether he goes to his death. And whilst that's happening, like we heard last week, a few other Christians who should have been standing shoulder to shoulder with him uh, have taken this moment to rip up his reputation. And what's Paul's response in all of this? Oh, we heard it at the end last week and we pick it up right where we begin uh, this week. Verse 18. The second half, but yes, and I will continue to rejoice. It goes on. 
verse 19. He says, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to choose to rejoice because, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. His faith in Jesus gives him a completely different view of what's going on. That takes him out of the immediate. He sees something special is happening. People are praying for him. The Holy Spirit's at work. Paul says, it's going to turn out for my deliverance. So is this Paul assuming he's about to get a get-out-of-jail card free? No. Get-out-of-jail-free card. Is that right? Yes. It's been a long day. After all, there was another time Paul was locked up. It was in Philippi when the church plant started. And that time... The prison literally fell down around him because of an earthquake. Is that what Paul's expecting? That's going to happen again. I'm not so sure. Listen again what he says straight after in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul doesn't know which way it's going for him. He doesn't think there's necessarily a get-out-of-jail card Get out of jail free card coming his way. Uh, In his mind, this deliverance, I think, is is bigger. It's tied to his salvation. It's for Paul to be remaining unashamed of the gospel, whatever happens to him. Because it will mean either he gets to know and trust and become more like Jesus, or he gets to go and be with Jesus. Which in verse 23, the end, Paul says, well, that's better. Better by far. You see, what becomes important to Paul is is not how great he is or how not great he is, how great he's doing, his situation is, but how important to him it is for Jesus to be seen as great, that Christ is exalted. And it's the way of life that Paul set the uh, Philippians on when he was with them, and he writes to encourage them in now. Verse 27, whatever happens, whatever happens to me, Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Knowing, And he, he, he wrote that, knowing full well the struggles and the sufferings the Christians in Philippi were experiencing. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. At the heart of this way of life, this way of life that is able to rejoice whatever the situation is, again and again and again, seems to be this, this motto that Paul has. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He's not muttering at this time, he's passing on. He's passed it on so much so that here we are, all these years later, looking at it tonight. And just perhaps tonight, the Holy Spirit is giving us these words to hold on to, to remember, to take to heart, that we might become those who begin to mutter this, begin to say these words to ourselves, no matter the different situations we encounter this week. For our lives to be about Christ, I think we first have to see that for the follower of Jesus, death is gain. We have to, we have to start at the end and work back to see with Paul that to die is gain. Ask Paul in his moment as he's locked up and chained up, uh, as he's writing this letter, whether he'd rather live or die. It seems he would struggle to give you an answer. He says, doesn't he, um, I don't know at the end of verse 22. I, I don't know. I could probably tell you which one I prefer right now. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. The question of whether Paul would live or die, well, that's not a philosophical question. Abstract, out there. 
I don't think about that. For Paul, it was a reality as he waited this decision, whether he was going to live or die. And the decision was in somebody else's hands. But we see in Paul here, him living out an approach to death that, that marks out, again and again, the people of God. No fear in death. We sometimes sing it in Christ alone. No fear in death, no guilt in life. That's what makes Christians stand out from the crowd. Now, I want to be really clear. When it comes to death, there are definitely ways of dying that I do not want to experience. I don't look forward to the process uh, of dying. And perhaps, perhaps there's something of that in Paul's mind. Because he, doesn't, he writes in verse 20 when he talks about hoping not to be ashamed. Or on having sufficient courage. And let me be clear, when it comes to death, I'm thinking about it, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what it would mean for those who are closest to me. Paul knows that what might be gain for him means pain for others and sorrow. Paul knew this for himself. The Philippian church had sent one of their uh, members to him to, to help him as he was locked up and chained up, uh, a chap called Epaphroditus. Uh, and we're told that whilst with Paul, Epaphroditus gets sick. So sick, he nearly dies. And Paul says in, verse, uh, in chapter 2, verse 27, God had mercy on him, and not just on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Paul knows the reality of death is painful for those who are left behind. And, you know, kind of looking around the room, I guess, for pretty much all of us, we know that experience. But when it comes to death, the moment of it, what comes after holds no fear for Paul, and it, has, it doesn't have to hold any fear for anybody this evening who trusts in Jesus. Why? Do you remember Jesus' words that he speaks uh, when his friend Lazarus has died in John 11? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks. See, in Jesus, there is the promise of life after our bodies die. For each of us who, who make Jesus our life, one day our our bodies will die. But we get to live now with the promise of resurrection life is to come. And it means, it means if you're a Christian, death is no longer a shadow that kind of lingers and looms fearfully over your life that you try and ignore or avoid. Instead, we view death as a doorway. A doorway you go through to be with Christ. A doorway that's been opened by Christ for us, by his death on the cross. At the cross, Jesus experienced death. And he experienced what should be our experience of death. For there he faced God's right judgment at all that is not right. He took our sin upon himself. And he paid the price. Three days later, he's raised to life again, to show that death has been defeated. Just as death can't hold on to Jesus, because you belong to Jesus, death can't hold on to you. There's life after death. And it means when you hear the, the news 
maybe in the, the life of the church, in the, in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead, that, that a Christian has died, yeah, that we, we have pain and sorrow that we, we don't see them anymore. But we need to see, uh, we need to come to the realization they are more alive now, in that moment, than they were before. It's just their address has changed. For the Christian who dies, it's gain. Those who are left behind, there's, there's pain. But whatever stage of life you're at, however you feel about your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you can join with a, a whole cloud of believers in saying to die is gain. And if we get that first part, uh, that last part of Paul's motto, the first part sort of falls into place. To live is Christ. I mean, look at the impact it had on Paul. Uh, Paul's preference, uh, given all he'd be through uh, and all he was facing, he said, I want to depart and be with Christ, that's better. And yet he knew he still had something that God wanted him to do. Was it the bucket list to complete? All those things he wanted to complete in life and go, life well lived, done. A nice retirement. You know, I'm going to enter into it. I'm going to enjoy all these different things that I can do. Uh, places to see uh, and, and travel to and explore. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Paul's had a tough time, hasn't he? Isn't it about time Paul had some me time? Don't you think? Paul goes, no. I don't want to do that. Because Paul saw gain in dying to these things. Dying to himself, because in verse 24 he says, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. You see, to live is Christ. Well, for Paul, that meant giving of himself for their progress and their joy in the faith. And I kind of want to make a little side note here. At verse 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's the kind of verse we, we zoom in on. It's, it's what I've done this evening. It's the one we remember. Um, but personally, uh, that the end of verse 25 is also some, some of those words that, for me, I've, I've really treasured over my uh, nearly five years here. Uh, and of words that have shaped kind of what I've tried to be about here at St. Lee's. Now, let's be clear, I'm not Paul. I'm not an apostle. You're not Philippians. We're not in Philippi. I, I know. But there's a sense in which I, I can stand here and say, the Lord led me to being here. There's a sense in which I can uh, say whether I'm, I'm good at showing it or not. The longer I've been here, the more I've had you in my heart. And have more and more a sense of affection for you that, that comes from Jesus Christ, like Paul did for the Philippians. And so what's the point of me being here? For your progress and your joy in the faith. It's not just my responsibility. It's not just me only. But when I sit at my desk and I've got a big to-do list and go, oh, I didn't need to do any of it. What's the point of me being here? Your progress and your joy in the faith. And I want to give an encouragement to any of you who find yourself going, oh, what is the, oh, I just can't be bothered with church on a Sunday. Oh, do I really need to go and do something or join a team or do something? Oh, home group. Do I have to go and do a home group? I mean, what's the... 
oh, do I go and have a conversation with somebody I don't really know that well on a Sunday, or do I go home and avoid treading in dog poo? Why bother? For their progress and their joy in the faith. That they may be abounding in their boast in Christ Jesus. For the Philippians, um, this is what would allow them to live out Paul's vision for their life together. That, that vision, we've heard it a few times already in the series, verse 27. That they would be standing firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose them. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you'll be saved, and that by God. That call to stand firm in one spirit uh, continues to be a call on our lives as Jesus' people today. Uh, in a culture that it always, around us that isn't always friendly to the message about Jesus, the gospel message, or to Christians and Christianity. Uh, that call to be striving together for the faith of the gospel uh, continues to be a call here. And we've sort of discerned it, particularly at this, this time, to be about sharing faith in Jesus with others, opening Cafe 55, and growing our work with children and young people, especially. And as we uh, look at standing firm together, striving together, I suspect few of us are staring death directly in the face this evening like Paul was. But each of us this week, even tonight, have opportunities to make a choice where we, we lay down our lives in small ways. Where we die to ourselves in a small way. So that we might live for Christ. Serving others, encouraging others. It might be involved what we mutter when we tread in dog poo. It might be what we're muttering in the car at traffic lights. It might be what we say to ourselves on a restful weekend. But it also includes all the other moments of your week. See, we're given this motto to mutter. Whatever situation you're in this week, but to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let me pray.